Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you on John Chuckery Show. Live in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday night. Halfway home with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 92 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. My thanks to Wes Blankenship for hanging out uh, with us. Fun time with Wes. I think we have, I think we have, I don't think we have anybody new that's coming in. I think Vince Cellini is going to be with me next Tuesday. And we're talking about getting Ed Lover back in here, like probably sometime in December. So we're going to kind of bring these guys back around through another uh, trial and a little bit of uh, fun and frivolity and all that. So thank you to Wes Blankenship for coming and hanging out uh, with me here. Um, we were talking a lot about just kind of radio and everything in general. So good uh, good stuff there. Hey, get, to get continuing reaction to the Falcons' overtime win with the Peachtree Football Podcast. Host Bull Morgan and Dylan Matthews. They bring you along as they analyze what went right and what went wrong. Follow the Kumquat Tree on Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Well, at least we know that you'll show up for your podcast. So, you know, everything else. I show up here. When's when's the last time I missed a show, Chuck? A couple weeks ago. uh, Let me ask you this. Oh, I know it's coming. Yeah, what what we do tomorrow? (laughs) You got going on tomorrow? You you with me tomorrow night? Nope. Oh, okay. (laughs) Are you here for Hawks or is yes. Day Day running Hawks? I'm here for Hawks. Oh, but not afterward. Yeah. I, oh, okay. Again, I don't make the schedule though. That's right. I don't you know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. All right. Yep. I, I see how it uh, how it all goes. So um <laughs> if you missed the first college football playoff poll earlier tonight, Alabama six, Michigan five, Clemson four, UGA at number three, and Ohio State at two, Tennessee, the number one team in the country at least for this first poll out there. So, uh, obviously, the, the the reason that the polls do matter, I don't care what anybody tells you, because you want to get a feel for what they think about some of these teams and where they're trending. The reason this poll doesn't matter as much is only because Tennessee, Georgia have to play each other. Michigan and Ohio State have to play each other. If Alabama runs it out, they're going to get themselves either Clemson or, or sorry, Clemson. They're going to get themselves either Georgia or Tennessee in the SEC title game, right? So you you have so many of these teams that literally have to play one another. And depending on how things work, maybe Southern Cal and Oregon play in the Pac-12 championship game. Remember, Alabama's got LSU this weekend. They came in at number 10. They've got Old Miss in a couple of weeks. They came in at number 11. So there's a lot, you know, Utah and Oregon have to play at the end of the year. So there's so many different things, but especially in the top six, there's so much round robin with the top six teams. I mean, Clemson's really sitting out there on an island by itself. The next highest ranked ACC team is North Carolina, and they're in the Coastal. Then you get into a couple of Atlantic teams, Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State. They go 20, 21, and 22. So you have one team from the Coastal that's ranked 17th, and then Clemson came in at number four. So, But I am a little bit surprised it, it wasn't – I thought Tennessee would be second or third. I did think that Georgia would get the benefit of the doubt and and they would get the number one spot um, in at least this, this first week of everything. So um, – We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up a, a little bit later. But 
You know, we talked to Felipe Cardenas a little bit earlier in the show, and obviously he broke the story about Joseph Martinez not being back with Atlanta United. And, you know, one of the things I asked him in that interview is, it really does feel like next year is no excuses for Atlanta United. And when I say that, look, these guys are the ones who set the expectation of, we don't want to just be a great MLS team. We want to be an international caliber, you know, uh, soccer team. We want to compete on a bigger stage. And I get that, and I understand that. And and they've obviously put massive resources. There's no question about will they or will they not spend money. They'll spend all the Arthur Blank will spend all the money in the world. And they obviously had massive success early on, right? I mean, you win the MLS Cup in, what, your second year? In existence, you know, Joseph Martinez is not going to be here. If I can quote the great Bret Hart, he's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. There will never be a player who replaces what Joseph Martinez meant to Atlanta United, both from his popularity in the city and the goal scorer that he was. There's nothing about Joseph Martinez that you can replace. But as they get back, Brad Guzan, Miles Robinson, right? And and they have their core. Tiago Almada, who Felipe talked about, may not be here by summer of next year. Arujo, Gutman, and all these guys. So, it, But it is going to be a different look. But here's the thing. They've run out of excuses now. And I was at some of those games late in the year. You know, it was hit or miss as to how many people were in the building. They're not the automatic 45,000 sellout anymore. Because when you lose, people are not as eager and anxious to head downtown, get a ticket, figure out parking. You know, I work for the radio flagship radio station of Atlanta United. I could imagine if you're having to go through all the hoops and hurdles of everything else because it can be a pain in the neck. So if you're not winning, that doesn't inspire people. So I will tell you that Atlanta United, look, they're always going to have their deep, hardcore fan base. But that's not where that's not where sports is. Sports is trying to draw in as many people from all different walks of life and backgrounds or whatever, you know, all different tentacles. You're trying to bring people in. You're trying to bring casual people in, not just your hardcore. Your hardcore audience is not just the only people that you're looking for. You need to that you know again. Let's let's tie it into wrestling, okay? The hardcore wrestling audience wasn't the only people that were watching Monday Night Raw and WCW Nitro. They they were you know in 1998 when 10 to 12 million people were watching wrestling on Monday night, going between WCW and WWE Raw. That wasn't just the hardcore wrestling fan. And now you see that. The WWE makes money hand over fist, but all they have left is mostly their hardcore audience, which is turning out to be a couple of million people. Even 10 years ago, they would bring in five or six million people on a Raw. Now they barely bring in two million people. AEW is going through some of the same growing pains. So you have to have more than just your hardcore group of people that come because eventually it takes more than just being the the team, you know, the the team that represents in town, you have to win and have success. And Atlanta United's had a massive amount of success. But now that 
the worm has sort of turned, and now that the best player in franchise history that you'll ever have is not going to be with the club anymore. And, yes, they had injuries and everything else that, that went along with it. But that's all going to go out the window next year. If they get off to a slow start, they don't play well, whatever. You know, unless the whole team just gets injured like it did this year, those excuses won't be there. And, you know, then you start to ask the questions about, do we have the right coach? Do we have the right this? Do we have the right that? You know, they're going to hire a president. We'll talk to Felipe again when they get their president of, you know, operations in place. But they've all made it very clear. Carlos Bocanegra, Arthur Blank, you know, everybody's made it clear. We want to be at the top of this sport, right? And I always said, and, and people would argue with me about, you know, oh, well, you know, we won the U.S. Open. We won the Campionas Cup. Or the, who cares? You know, tell me that you're going to be dominant in your league first and foremost, and then we'll add everything in from there. Then we can talk about U.S. Open, Campionas Cup, um, what's the what's that other thing that they do, the CONCACAF, right? I mean, then we can add all of that stuff in. But dominate your league and win your league titles first. That's the league that you're in. You're not in, you know, Lelysia or, you know, the Premier League. or That's not where you're at. You play in the United States of America in MLS, dominate that first. Dominate the New York Red Bulls, the LA Galaxy, the New England, whatever they are. Revolution or no? Are they? Are they the yeah? They're the Revolution. What's Philadelphia? Oh, the Union. Okay. Why were we not the? Uh, why were we not terminus? I don't know. We should have been terminus. That's a good question. Yeah, we should have been. Should have been Atlanta terminus. I like Atlanta United though. It fits. Yeah, but that's too Europeanish. You uh, think so? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, no excuses next year for Atlanta United. You know, like. You got Miles coming back, Guzan's coming back, right? You're going to get these guys back that that you lost and they missed significant time. You got that free pass last year for it, but especially given the the fact that the best player in franchise history is now gone, and he's not gone because he's too old and broken down. I will tell you that part of why he's gone is I've said before, and I brought this up all last year, is you know at some point you can't build everything around a guy who always finds himself dinged up here, dinged up there, what have you. You can't have a franchise built around a guy who misses six weeks here, four weeks here, eight weeks here, right? It's tough to do that. But they build up so much depth that at times they could overcome it. At times they couldn't overcome it. At times they could. So it, it may not be fair that Atlanta United doesn't get the benefit of rebuilding and they don't look at it as rebuilding. That's that's why you got Tiago Almada and Arujo and Gutman and Miles Robinson and Guzan, right? You you still got that hardcore group. But and Felipe's talked about this. I, I love listening to him talk about some of this. They haven't replaced the Michael Parkhurst and the Nagbees and people like that that were so vital to when they won the cup. They haven't replaced those sort of, for lack of a better term, mid level kind of players to it, right? You know, like in the NBA, guys have a there's a mid-level exemption kind of player. You know, you haven't replaced those mid-level kinds of players yet for this franchise. So they won't get the benefit of the doubt of trying to find their way into um, you know, a rebuilding mode or, you know, because they are the ones who set the expectations. 
They're the ones who told you they want to be international. They want to be great all over the world. They want to be this. They want to be that. And I'm fine with all that. I want to win our league first. I'd like to see a few more MLS Cups hoisted before, you know, we get too far down the road of what can we do in international competition. So that's why I think this year is very important because if they can't get it done, they they bring these guys back, they add a few pieces, you put a new president in place. If they can't get it done with this group and where they're at, then there's going to have to start being some real hard questions about maybe it is time to blow it up, maybe we've got the wrong manager, maybe the technical director you know, is not the right fit for putting this roster together. There's going to be those kinds of questions asked if this thing doesn't get back on track and they get back into being in the top part of you know, the uh, MLS League and the Eastern Division for all of it. All right, when we get back, it'll be time for That's Life. Um, another ridiculous TikToker that's facing some charges. Plus, we'll have our top 10 as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921 live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site catches on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter. Uh, follow us on our personal Twitter pages at JMCH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. Don't forget 1040 Rankum. We got 1040 Rankum coming up tonight. Hey, every day get the NFL headlines delivered straight to your smart speakers or earbuds. The best football show podcast wraps up the world in 15 minutes so you can be a smarter guy at the water cooler. Host Elliot Shore Parks explains the biggest stories from multiple vantage points and the ripple effects it has throughout the NFL. God, it sounds like it's so serious and all that. For God's sakes, Elliot, just calm down, bud. Anyway, the best football show podcast delivers highlights from all of Odyssey's football podcasts. Follow for free in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Sounds like he's trying to solve a murder mystery yeah, or something. I mean, my God, it's, you know, vantage points and ripple effects and all that. It's the freaking Panthers and the Falcons. Ripple effects. Like when I go to fill my gas tank up, like, is it affected by the ripple effects of the Falcons and Panthers? You. All right. How about this? This is your guys. This is your folks. Katie Sigmund. Guess what she is? What is she? A TikTok influencer. Ah. So she goes on Zip Zap the other day. She's got almost 7 million followers on, on TikTok. And she posted a video of her hitting a golf ball and losing it in the Grand Canyon. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, according to a statement posted by, and she posted this on her Tic Tac, so she went on Flip Flop and put her video up there. A statement posted by the Grand Canyon National Park's Facebook page alleged that Sigmund had thrown her club into the Grand Canyon after taking the shot. They say they put a message on there that said, don't hit golf balls into the Grand Canyon. Well, 
On October 27th, Grand Canyon law enforcement identified, located, and contacted the individual responsible for the incident. Uh-oh. Charges and a court appearance for the individual are pending. According to the National Park Service website, they explain the dangers of throwing objects over the edge. Never throw rocks, coins, trash, or anything over the edge. Objects tossed over the edge or dislodged by walking off trail can injure hikers and wildlife below or start wild f- or w- uh, landslides. Throwing objects over the rim of the canyon is not only illegal, but can also endanger hikers and wildlife who may be below. Yeah, because if you hit somebody down below... And that that uh coin or golf club or whatever comes down them going to however many miles per hour hey. can knock them out, or worse. How do I? Did I just go ahead and say it? Just say it. Okay. Should part of the punishment be they just push her over the edge of the canyon? <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna say that. <laughs> because how stupid do you? How ignorant and stupid do you have to be? I'm a so double millennial, and this is stupid. Right. So that you're. Seven million flip-flop followers can have a stupid-looking video that you honestly, you know what? Maybe pushing her over the edge is a little too far. How about this? She has to take three whacks from a golf club to the back of her knees, like she's Tanya Harding did to who was the who did Tanya Harding whack? What was the girl? What was the figure skater's name? That Tanya Harding, uh, her, her Jeff Galuli, um, oh, God, they'll, they'll text me with it. But maybe that should be her punishment. Three whacks to the back of the knees with a golf club. <laughs> how stupid are people? I mean, how damn dumb do you have to be in life that to impress my Tic Tac followers, I'm hitting golf balls into the Grand Canyon as if there's nothing else going on. Like it's a T set up and there's a flag stick in the middle of the Grand Friggin' Canyon. You moron. That's what we have top golf for. Right. Like that's what you go to the Grand Canyon for. I get if you're on the moon because there's probably not going to be a lot of wildlife and other people on the surface of the moon. So when Buzz Aldrin grabbed his seven iron and whacked a golf ball, that's probably okay, since he's probably the only human being on there. And I'm sure he wasn't worried about flip-flop followers. Idiots. How about, the, oh, by the way, we got to say RIP to takeoff. Yeah, RIP to takeoff, Yeah, man. I mean, that That's was sad. just crazy. So, um, obviously, Migos, you know, just... Houston, right? That's where he got shot at a hotel yeah. in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just awful, awful story. All right, do you understand what a VHS tape is? I have VHS okay. tapes. Well, well they're to, my mom. I has. have to preface all of this stuff. I know how to work. See, see, look, Chuck. I have a well at my mom's house. We have a VHS tape plus DVD player. We have one of those. Okay. I still got plenty of VHS tapes with Power Rangers, Tarzan, Titanic, all that. How about this? A 1982 Star Wars first commercial release, factory-sealed, big-box VHS tape of Star Wars, the original when it came out in 1982. It's in a 20th Century Fox Studio 
box. It was graded with an eight grade by Beckett. Wow. This is the first first batch of these that were ever made of, of VHS tapes of the movie Star Wars. It sold at auction recently for $114,000. Wow. For an original boxed VHS from 1982 of Star Wars, $114,000. People are out here spending their stupid money again. They said that's 1% what it costs to make the film. Probably costs, what, 99 cents to make the film? Well, not make the actual Star Wars Well, no, nah, I'm talking about, like, make the VHS tape. Well, yeah, make the VHS tape. This is talking about the, the film in 77. Oh, okay, yeah, it's talking about actually the shooting film. the film. Oh, okay, right. okay, gotcha. I thought you meant, like, the VHS tape. But $114,000 for an original boxed Star Wars VHS tape. What are you going to do with it? You can't watch it. You're just looking at it. Again, right. It's again, like the iPhone thing. Right. Again, you just set it up on a shelf and look at it. I guess it'll increase in value, but I what guess. if it doesn't? I mean, it's just like. You, like, you don't buy something like that thinking that I'm going to turn it around in six months and make a profit off right. it. Right. Not at $114,000. Nancy Kerrigan, it just came to me. That's who the, the figure skater was. It Tanya Harding's boyfriend, Jeff Galuli, whacked her with the member with the pipe in the back of the legs. Why does she whack her? Huh? Why does she whack her? Because he wanted Tanya Harding to win. Oh, oh, this was in wrestling. No, this was in Olympic figure skating. Wrestling? This was Olympic figure skating. Son, you missed out on everything in your life. Wait, wow. And figure, like, was this during the. Jeff was Galuli, this afterwards? Jeff Galuli. Going into the Olympics, uh-huh. Nancy Kerrigan was the favorite for the Americans going in the Olympics, mm-hmm. or one of them. Tanya Harding had qualified for the Olympics, and her boyfriend, Jeff Galuli, whacked Nancy Kerrigan in the back of her legs trying to take her out so she wouldn't compete oh at the gosh. Olympics so that Tanya Harding would have a better chance to win the gold medal. Goodness. Yeah. That's savage. That, that's awesome. <laughs> that's how it should be. That's so awesome. they need to do that to this lady with her <laughs> golf club and her Tic Tac followers. So... Anyway, all right, today is National Authors Day. So tonight's top ten list, the top ten best movies that came from a book. I can't wait to hear what your list is. I'll bet you there aren't three movies that you've seen. I'll bet you I'll bet you I could name one or two movies from a book that you have seen, and that's probably all that you've seen. Turned on the wrong pot. Anyways, I yeah. beg to differ, John Chuckery, okay. because guess what? I did my research, and a lot of these movies I didn't know were from books, but now that I know, I have seen them. Okay. All right, starting with The Godfather. Yes. The Godfather was from a book, and I haven't seen yes. the every guy's single. Name is, the guy's okay. name is Mario Puzo, who yes. wrote the book The Godfather. He wrote it. And by the way, the first two Godfather movies are based upon the one book itself. Yes. Like that was yes. so if you if you've ever read the book that which is it's a fascinating the Godfather book is fascinating, but the Godfather book is definitely different than what some of the movie mm-hmm. is itself. But um but the first and second book because all the flashbacks from the second movie, yeah, that was in the original Godfather book. Oh, okay, okay. So you wouldn't have known that, but I, I that's wouldn't. why I'm explaining it to you. I appreciate that, yeah. Chuck. But, yes, I and I have seen. I've actually – I remember one day at my dad's house, The Godfather was on, and we were watching it. Um, so I haven't seen them all start to finish, but I have seen good chunks of 
The Godfather and, and Godfather 2. And well, the movie's stuff. only like eight hours long, so right, you, yeah, could, yeah. You, yeah, you could see a lot of it and it'd still be there. <laughs> All right. Another one I have that I had no idea was made from a book, Forrest Gump. Forrest oh, yes. Gump is made from a book. Yes. That's I didn't on know my that. list. Yeah, Forrest Gump was a book first. Yes. I did not know yes, that. Yes, it was. It so, was a very successful book, and they turned, again, I've said before that, that Forrest Gump's, the screenplay for Forrest Gump is as good as there's ever been written. Oh, most definitely. The story is amazing. Easily. Yeah. Easily. So Forrest Gump has to be on there. Another one, The Wizard of Oz. And I've seen The Wizard of Oz start to yes. finish. I had, I don't know if I had on VHS. I think I had Wizard of Oz on VHS tape. Anywho, The Wizard of Oz is on there for me for sure. Um, Goodfellas. Goodfellas, I didn't know, was from a book. So that's on my list as well. So um, the book is Wise Guy. Okay, and, yeah. And that was Nicholas, uh, I think his name is Peggy or Peggy. Um, so it was, he wrote it based upon his conversations with Henry Hill. The book is called Wise Guy, is what Goodfellas, the movie Goodfellas is taken from Wise Guy, which is the story of Henry Hill. It's, it's, it's Henry Hill telling his story to the author about his time in the mob and mafia and all that kind of stuff. So gotcha. that's where that book comes from. Wise Guy is actually considered a pretty good book. Yeah. Um, it's kind of all over the place with the stories, but that's the source material mm-hmm. for Goodfellas. Another one is The Color Purple. Um, I didn't know mm-hmm. The Color Purple was from Have you ever seen The Color Purple movie? I have seen The Color Purple okay. movie. So. Who stars in it? Oprah. Okay. Who else? Uh, I don't know. I forget. <laughs> I haven't Whoopi seen it in a Goldberg. long time. Is she in it? Yes. Oh, okay. She yeah, stars well. in it, yes. Okay, Whoopi, yeah. So. How about Danny Glover? Ah, Danny Glover. Okay. Yeah, him too. You know him? I know. I, nah, vaguely. Okay. The most. Uh, the How about re- Riggs and Murtaugh? You ever heard of Riggs and Murtaugh? I don't know who that is. Yeah. I've probably well, seen him before, but I don't know. I you ever heard of Lethal Weapon? Yes. Hey. Randy Mack and I were the Riggs and Murtaugh radio. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. But yes, the color purple <sighs> <laughs> as well. Um, the Lord of the Rings. It's based on the book The Fellowship of the Ring. I that, did not know that. Okay. Well, that the whole series, J.R. Tolkien, mm-hmm. I mean, did all the board with the rings and all that kind of stuff. I've never seen those movies because they're way too long and I could care less about them. That was one of the ones I figured you may have seen was yeah. anything that's dealing with the Lord of the Rings. And there's yes. another movie franchise that I would have guessed you've seen as well. Let's see if it's on your list. And it is because I know you're talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. So Harry Pooper was Pooper. all obviously was all the books. Yes. And you know she got. And I read like, most. Actually, I read all the books. Okay. Well, she got like culture canceled, right? Because yeah, I mean, she, did. she she was. I don't know. She was. What was she? Anti-Semitic or something? Yeah, she, I don't know. Whatever. She, she was something. Yeah. Good. What? What's her name? The, the woman who wrote J.K. Those? Rowling. Yeah. J.K. J.K. Rowling's. Rowling, you know. Yeah, yeah. Rolling Stones. So <laughs> yeah, she got uh, cancer cult, canceled cultured and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So um, another one is uh, The Exorcist. I didn't know that was from a book. Okay. Have you seen The Exorcist? Not the 1973 version, okay. no, because okay. that's what it's based upon. Yes. Yeah, so it no. is a magnificent movie. That. That is, as a kid, that was one of the scariest movies I've, I've still to this day. It's, it still holds up for its time. Yeah, I have Linda, to watch it. Linda Blair and all that. Who who did Rick? Rick James wrote a song about Linda Blair. Linda Blair is the little girl that's possessed in the movie. Yes. Rick James wrote a song about Linda Blair when he dated her. Oh. Any idea what song he wrote? Nope. Yeah. Was it Mary Jane? Nah, cold blooded. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> but um. Um, another one. See how is, much like useless information I have. That's great like, though. I, I have so much useless information. It's amazing. You you should go on a trivia show. I yeah. Like what you, good, yeah. Does it mean any money? Yeah. Winston money. Um, another one is my last two here uh, for top ten. 
Psycho and It. I, I I mean, It was based off of a book, and I mean, I love It, both chapters. The I haven't seen the original It, but I've seen the the, the two reboots. Yeah, the, well, the the original It was a TV show. Like, oh, was uh, it a TV was a, show? It was a okay. made-for-TV movie. Oh, the, that's the one right. With Tim Curry. Yeah. The, the, yeah. With, the, the one with Tim Curry was a TV, I think a two-part TV movie. Right. Was the original one, and then they right. remade the movies a few years ago. The remakes are amazing. Yes. Um, I got two honorable mentions, too. Silence of the Lambs and American mm-hmm. Psycho. Yes. American Psycho is a great movie. Mm-hmm. So I got Forrest Gump on my list as well. Wizard of Oz is on my list. Godfather is obviously on my list. Goodfellas is on my list. Um, I very much enjoyed The Hunger Games, and I've read part of the books of The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, the original book. And, That's a good call. And all that. So The Hunger about Games those. was another yeah. one. Um, my Stephen King movie, you had It, I've Got the Shining with Jack Nicholson. Mm, yep. um, good call. Although... Stephen King hated the movie The Shining. It's not based upon his book and all that kind of stuff. Um, the Exorcist is on my list. Jaws. Peter Benchley wrote the wrote the book Jaws. Jaws what, is based off a book? It is. Peter Benchley had the best-selling book, and they made wow. the movie off of uh, all of it. Um, this is my favorite chick flick of all time. The Devil Wears Prada. Ah, I had saw to, that one. Had to, include, <laughs> had to include. It's my favorite chick flick. I lo- I'm telling you, I love that movie. I love Anne Hathaway. I love Meryl Streep. But yeah. I love... Emily cool. Blunt, uh, and I love Stanley Tucci. Yeah. And then my final one is my favorite Jack Nicholson movie of all time, without question, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Brilliant movie. We just lost Louise Lassiter, who won the Oscar for Nurse Ratchet. She just died a few months ago, oh. uh, Louise Lassiter. But One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a brilliant movie. By the way, too, I know we got to go to break. Uh, we got Tony Barnhart we're going to play here in just a couple minutes. Um, I registered today... On Ticketmaster, as I am a Ticketmaster member and all that stuff. You are? Yep. I registered on Ticketmaster to buy tickets early for the Taylor Swift concert that's coming here to Look at you! He's going to be here two nights. Hey! We'll talk to Tori McElhaney tomorrow, but Taylor Swift is coming two nights in April of next year. You and Tori both both are probably going to be there. I'm going to take my daughter. I'm hoping hoping I get in early and I can get tickets because I'm going to buy tickets for my daughter and I. Man, that place Um, is going to be packed it's gonna she's doing they're all stadium shows oh she's every single seat is gonna be filled plus some so i didn't think she was gonna tour right away because she wants to re-record all of her albums first yeah but she starts touring in spring of next year wow and they're all stadium shows and she'll be here late april of next year so So she's gonna be in the bins yep yep she sure is and i've already i've already registered to to buy early uh like a few days before they go on sale to the general public so I'll see if I win the lottery or not to buy Taylor Swift tickets early. <laughs> if not, I do know a few people. I got I got a couple contacts. If you had the ballpark, real quick, guess how much those tickets are going to be. How much? How much you think? Um, the weekend was going to run me about six hundred for two. Yes. Goodness. And not, where, where are and you? Are you on the floor? Are you touching the weekend? Not even close. Oh my god! Not even six hundred. We, we were going to be up in the upper deck, away from what? the stage. First, what? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. That's so I'm crazy. figuring these will cost me five or six hundred bucks. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Good thing. I mean, hey, it's a good thing you're John Chucker. You got John uh, Chuckery money. That's why I did that BetQL app thing over the weekend, brother. <laughs> I'm looking for dollarinis everywhere I can get them. So, <laughs> Tony Barnhart. When we get back, Chuck in the Key Studios, Sports Radio to the Game Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 929.
Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Tuesday evening as the college football universe, the epicenter, is going to be Athens, Georgia, as Tennessee and Georgia hook up. Not just that, but obviously going to be a celebration on the life of Coach Vince Dooley. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to the best in the business. Everybody knows Tony Barnhart. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. CFB. And Tony, as always, we appreciate it, buddy. And again, you're busy as a one-armed paper hanger right now. You got a lot <laughs> going on over at your website, do you not? We do. We uh, with with everything that's happened uh, this season. Obviously, the first rankings coming out from the college football playoff. Uh, our, our website is TMG College Sports. You can just do a quick Google search on it for TMG college sports and it'll take you right there but we've got uh, a weekly podcast that we post on friday and some other things that post on saturday so we are we're staying busy but it's a fun busy tony this saturday we just kind of brought it up it's not just tennessee georgia you know two top three teams obviously playing for the sec east the the pageantry, maybe the biggest game we've seen at Sanford Stadium, but obviously the emotion of you know most likely having celebrations for Coach Dooley as well is when you take the totality of everything that's coming up. Is going into this like being looked at as maybe kind of one of the the, the biggest environments that's ever happened at Sanford Stadium? Oh, I would have to think so. I mean, they they haven't had a one versus two game uh, at Sanford Stadium. That's never happened. Uh, and it, it, with everything that's going on, with losing Coach Dooley, with Georgia being ranked number one or two or three or whatever it is, and uh, having that kind of matchup, it is uh, it, it'll be a special day. The Notre Dame visit in, was was big. Uh, that that was an incredible environment. But uh, when you put you know uh, a top five matchup plus the uh, Plus the loss of Coach Dooley, it will be a very loud and very emotional day at Sanford Stadium at Dooley Field. Tony, in looking at the game itself, the the thing I am going to be laser-focused on is Tennessee's a top-10 rushing defense in the country. But I think there's a little bit of fool's gold behind that because I don't think enough teams have really challenged them. And once they get up on you, Tennessee, you're trying to fight your way back. I thought they played really well against Kentucky last week, but Kentucky got so one-dimensional in that game. Georgia's a lot more balanced. Do you think that the Georgia running game can make some hay against Tennessee, or are they going to have to resort to resort? Excuse me, to trying to throw it more? I think Georgia's going to have to be balanced. Uh, one of the things you want to do is run the ball effectively because you, you really need to limit the number of possessions that Tennessee's going to get. If you can just limit their possessions by one or two a game, that could be uh, significant. The other thing with Tennessee is you cannot let them get off to a fast start because if you do and they get you in a hole, as you just mentioned, you're spending the whole game trying to dig your way out, and that's when mistakes happen. So if for Georgia to win, I think they've got to keep the game in the 30s for both teams because if they get into the 40s, I don't think Georgia can win that game. Tony, you think win or lose at this point, Josh Heupel is the coach of the year in the SEC. Is there much debate about that? I wouldn't think so, that, that, that there'd be any debate any debate about it. I mean, talking about his second year, and that team has improved dramatically, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and, and to be this play, in this place his second year and the amount of roster rebuilding that had to be done and the 
the way that Hendon Hooker is playing as he's got to be in the top two for the Heisman, top three for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I think Josh Heupel's, based on what we know so far, is your coach of the year. Yeah. College football writer Tony Barnhart joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Don't forget to check out his new website, TMG College. All kinds of good information there as well. Tony, as we bounce around a little bit through the SEC, obviously Brian Harson got uh, let go. No real surprise there. You know, I get in this argument a lot with people about the Auburn job. Auburn is a school that obviously you can win a national championship at. So it may not necessarily be Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson right now. But Auburn doesn't really have to take a back seat to a lot of other schools and programs across the country. How attractive is that job? And, and what do you think they're going to look for in the next coach? Not necessarily names, but, but profiling a guy in, in what they want in their next football coach. Well, obviously, it's got to be someone who can recruit at a very, very high level. One of the frustrations with Brian Harson and his staff is they, they – what you have to realize about coaching in the SEC and recruiting in the SEC is you can have the number – you can have the number eight recruiting class in the nation and be 13th, 15th or 20th in the SEC. Uh, or my, my point is that you could be way down the list in the SEC. You've got to recruit at an extremely high – national level so that's number one uh number two you have to understand the dynamic of auburn being in the same state with alabama and having that rivalry if you don't understand and embrace the auburn culture which i'm not convinced that brian harson really did until it was too late uh you're you're not going to make it uh, at auburn but everything is in place at a place like Auburn to win a national championship. They won a national championship in 2010. They almost won a national championship in 2013. Gus Malzahn was three and five against uh, Nick Saban. There weren't too many guys three and five against Nick Saban. So the point is everything all you need at Auburn is there. It's a matter of having the right person in charge. Tony, do you think Alabama is vulnerable this year? Do you think that an old Miss with how good they run the football can upset an Alabama? Or you think Alabama is even more laser focused after that Tennessee game that, you know, that's, that's it for the losing for the regular season for Bama? Well, I do think Alabama is going to win the rest of their games, but I do believe they are vulnerable. Uh, you sit there and, and you look at, the, look at the rest of the schedule, uh, got to go to LSU. That's never, never easy. I expect that to be a tough game. You got to go to Ole Miss and the way that Ole Miss is playing right now. So, but Alabama has found way, except for the Tennessee game, they found, found ways to win. And so, but this team, this team is not nearly as strong as some of Saban's teams that we've seen in the past. They don't run the ball nearly as well. Their receivers, by Alabama standards, by what they've had before this, their receivers are pretty average. But they uh, they have the, one of the best quarterbacks you're ever going to see. And what I tell people is, if you want to beat Alabama, you better get a lead on them. Because if you give Bryce Young the ball uh, with two minutes to go and his team trailing, he's going to win the game. Best in the business, Tony Barnhart joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline as we get ready for Tennessee and Georgia coming up this Saturday. I want to ask you about Stetson Bennett. If you – project out and I know pace and projections always a a funky wonky kind of thing but his pass attempt numbers this year are going to push if they play let's say 15 games you know he's on pace to be in the 450 plus range this year 
I know you've seen a lot of Georgia football. I don't know who has the record. I know Zyre threw it in the 400s. But no. The idea of where this offense is and putting the trust in Stetson, opening this thing up. I mean, is this is this really the evolution of what we've kind of been waiting for with the Georgia offense to to I, I hate to say get modern, but I mean, obviously, take that next evolutionary step. Well, they have they have a whole lot of confidence in Stetson. His teammates have a lot of confidence in him, and they, there's no question that when they opened the season the way they did against Oregon, it was like okay, something's different here. And uh, still, having said all that, the key for Georgia, or certainly one of the keys for Georgia, is when they've got the lead in the fourth quarter, they have to be able to run the football, and thus far they've been able uh, to do that. They got to, as they always do. They have a good stable of running backs. But I just think they have a lot, lot more confidence to let Stetson uh, kind of fling it. Now, he played great against Florida in the first half last Saturday. Did not play nearly as well in the second half. So I'm kind of anxious to see uh, what Stetson does against a, a defense like Tennessee's. Obviously, we got the word Nolan Smith going to be out for this game as well. And, look, it's not all just about what you see on the stat sheet. Um, I think that – you know, they, they proved that last year with some of their players, Trayvon Walker being the, the most specific example. But Nolan Smith, one of the leaders of that defense, I had a chance to talk with him at SEC Media Days. It feels like one of the things they've got to do is get after Hooker and at least make his life uncomfortable, and Smith was a big part of that. Yeah, there's no question that Nolan Smith is, is, a, great, is a great edge rusher. And what you have to do is kind of what Alabama did against Bryce Young in the second game, in the national championship game, is make him throw before he's ready. Uh, now, Hendon Hooker does a great job of buying times, buying time with his legs and getting in position to throw the ball. But they're going to have to keep pressure on him so that he doesn't set his feet and throw it when he wants to throw it. If they can do that, if Georgia can do that, they have got a, got a real chance in this game. But uh, – he uh, hookers is just playing so well right now. You just can't can't let him let him beat you with his legs. Tony, you're an Atlanta guy. Let me let me go separate from the SEC for a minute uh, because I know you know about the Georgia Tech program as well. And look, there was a lot of excitement a couple of weeks ago. Win a couple of games, you know, probably shouldn't have beat Pitt, but they did beat Duke. But then, you know, an awful game against Virginia. You get blown out and run by Florida State. Their schedule's not fun the rest of the way, which, oh, by the way, would include Georgia. Where I know it's a Power 5 school. I know you're in the ACC. But is there the culture there to attract a top type of guy, a, a, a really good football coach to that program? Or are guys looking at that as the, the money may not be there, the facilities may not be there? I mean, how does Georgia Tech look as far as from the outside, as far as the quality of their program right now? Well, the, the, I, I think they still have work to do on their facilities. Uh, you got to con- consider who you're recruiting against uh, in the ACC. Obviously, you're recruiting against Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think they've got to improve on the facility side. But it is about bringing in the right coach who takes advantage of what Georgia Tech has to offer. Georgia Tech has uh, incredible, uh, from an NIL standpoint, they've got all these Fortune 500 companies. Living in Atlanta uh, for, for, uh, for young players is, is a lot of fun. And uh, now, are the academic issues there? Yes, they are. Uh, 
everybody's still got to take freshman calculus, so I, so I feel feel for them there. But Georgia Tech has what it takes. They just need to make a little bit larger commitment. They have a brand-new president who I had a chance to meet. I'm very impressed by him. So that's why this hire, this hire is going to be interesting because you have to take the things that exist at Georgia Tech and maximize them to your advantage, and Georgia Tech's got a lot going for them. He's on Twitter at Mr. CFB. Tony, tell us one more time about the new website you got going on. TMG College Sports. It's, it's, I'm in business with three other old sports writers. Uh, we've got a collective 151 years of newspaper experience, and we're having a lot of a lot of fun with it. But it's TMG College. Just do a search on TMG College Sports. You can go straight to our website, and uh, we were, each one of us writes about three or four times a week, and we have a blog or a podcast that we post uh, on Fridays that we'll uh, be working on soon. Tony, it's going to be a fun day on Saturday. It's going to be an emotional day on Saturday. As always, man, we appreciate a few minutes uh, here with on the show tonight. Okay. Appreciate it. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.